I was frozen today. Damn it, I was going to do that. Tonight on Ops and Box Office Flops, we tackle the Hulk Hogan masterpiece from 1991, Suburban Commando. Pops and Box Office Flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Right suburb, wrong planet. That's the tagline for Suburban Commando. Good lord. Probably one of the top five movies of the 90s. What does that even mean, right suburb, wrong planet? I, I was also curious about that. Does that mean that there are suburbs in whatever galaxy he was from? Because I, it didn't really seem that way. Okay, here's, I'm just, we'll just get right into it, I guess. What is Hulk Hogan in this movie? He's an intergalactic warrior. Okay, then if so, not human, right? Well, he theoretically he's not human. No. Why is his primary language English? Good question. Which is why it's a tough sell when he tells uh, Christopher Lloyd uh, that he's from France and refuses to do a French accent. Doesn't even attempt it. That would have been fantastic. I, I would have. That would have been worth the price of admission if Hogan did a French accent. What was this rated? So, uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, there's only 13 no, reviews. No, I mean, was it PG or PG-13? I think it's PG-13. Right, it's got to be PG-13. Well. I'm, there was, like, no swearing. No. No tits. No, no nudity. It's probably PG. Although Could have been was PG. A, there was a bum rape scene. That, I thought that was an interesting turn. Uh, and by bum rape, I mean two homeless men. Yeah, two homeless guys uh, about to commit a sexual assault, seemingly, and then Christopher Lloyd saves the day. Might in, be PG thirteen uh, now that I think. Hulk about Hogan's it. armor. There okay. is also like a grotesque monster in it, so alien thing. General don't, Suter. Don't get that, that spoiler alert because I know people are going to want to watch this movie. Oh, you definitely should watch this movie. I recommend it a hundred percent. Now I remember why I had it on VHS and I watched it so many times when I was a kid. This movie was terrible. <laughs> so yeah, it's got it was fifteen percent with only thirteen reviews. Uh, that was actually <laughs> higher than I thought it would be. That is that the critics' Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, on a budget of eleven million, it only made eight million. So it actually had a higher budget than No Holds Barred, and grossed significantly less. So no Holds Barred had a budget of eight, made sixteen. That's how this got greenlit. Uh, and then this kind of just flopped. Well, okay, let's. Uh, you want to do the plot summary real quick? I do, but I thought for this film, instead of reading a uh, critic's excerpt from a review, I wanted to find the most outrageous IMDb user review. So thank you to Psycho Charlie 666. My bad. Psycho underscore Charlie 666, yeah. in case you go looking for him. Mm-hmm. In a review titled Best Film of the Decade. This is a small excerpt. It's actually quite a lengthy review. What moviegoers received that year was arguably the, arguably the best film of the decade, with the Holpster bringing Shep Ramsey to life in yet another heart-stopping performance. Comparison with, comparisons with No Holds Barred 
are unavoidable, but in my opinion, unfair. The latter film is primarily concerned with philosophical issues pertaining to man's relationship with the universe, while Suburban Commando has a much tighter focus, presenting the individual as a mirror reflecting the socio-political values of the new democracy in which he finds himself captive. So just that that username was your username. Is that what this is? I may or may not have wrote that. That is No, I would never steal Psycho Charlie's Thunder. That is a original piece. That guy's watching on another level. So I'm kind of curious, what two movies did he see? That's a great question. Because I don't remember any of that stuff. I I don't I don't know what happened to that. It's like he read a book. There must be something out there with Hulk Hogan apparently <laughs> called Suburban Commando that is not this particular Suburban Commando. Oh, so this this wasn't an original screenplay. Maybe this was based on a novel. It could have been based on real life events. <laughs> For all you know. Oh, shit. So description from Voodoo. I think I'm going to use those as the go-to for the descriptions, like random streaming services, because they seem to do the best job of writing bad descriptions. I rented this. Voodoo said, an intergalactic warrior stranded on Earth poses as a foreigner, in quotes, to his landlord before having to save his new friends and the universe from bounty hunters. She, oh, side note. There was a... Uh... Man, I was scrolling through something on, it was either TV or maybe a rental, and it had the description for Roadhouse. And the whole thing was great, but the last line said, a throwback to westerns of the 50s and 60s. That seems pretty generous for Roadhouse. I got to find that for you. Uh, (laughs) It seems completely unrelated. (laughs) It does not feel like a throwback to the westerns of the 50s and 60s. To me, it feels exactly like what it is, which is handsome man in the 80s, with muscles, beats up in insane amount of people. You're describing this movie. Yeah, that's, I mean, this this is the era of action movies where you just need a sort of handsome guy with muscles to beat people up. Uh, early 90s for this one? This was 91. Okay. So how would you describe this movie in one sentence? Oh, uh, alien, alien that speaks English saves Christopher Lloyd's marriage and career. I I think that's actually a pretty good description because I do think he saves basically this guy's life. Okay. Well, we're on that. He's a sinking ship before Hogan shows up. I don't think... Shep Ramsey. So there's a really weird part. I'm just going to fast forward a little bit. The end of the movie when uh, they go to Christopher Lloyd's boss's party... For the Japanese people, where inexplicably... Played by Larry Miller, the comedian. He's fantastic. Um, where inexplicably, Larry Miller, uh, you might know him as uh, Professor Klump's boss and the Nutty Professor. Ten Things I Hate About You, the uh, um, the dad. He's the uh, Necessary he's, he's Roughness. He's Dean Elias from Dean. Necessary Roughness. So he's throwing this party for his Japanese clients. And um, inexplicably, Christopher Lloyd and Hulk Hogan show up in tuxedos. It was nighttime. Where did Hulk Hogan get a tuxedo that fit him, that matched Christopher Lloyd's? I guess we'll just skip right through that. Uh, I mean, come on. But all of a sudden, they're in an elevator, and Hulk Hogan has this real sappy line like, um, you know, I spend more time in these worlds. Saving worlds and living in them. Saving worlds and living in them. And then he punctuates that by saying, you have it 
you have it made. Yeah, you've got a pretty good Charlie Wilcox. He's like, he just says something like, you just have the best life. And all I'm thinking is, Hulk Hogan's seen this guy be a huge pussy by not parking in his own driveway. Yeah, He's, can't stick up to his neighbors who apparently gets, drag race. But <laughs> when you look at the neighbors, not a single one of them could fit into the drag race car. <laughs> like, not even close. Rude. These are large men. I think the guy's like running a, a small business out of his driveway. Maybe, yeah, maybe. I think he, that's someone else's race car. You know how much that car is worth? I genuinely have no idea. $30,000. That's what he tells Hogan after he picks it up and moves it. Seems cheap. But Hogan's only seen Christopher, Christopher Lloyd just be belittled by his neighbors, his wife, his boss. The guy's just like a walking mockery. <laughs> and Hogan and goes, you, you've got it, man. man, you got it made. Did nobody fucking like think about the script at all? They were too busy making all the the action scenes and visuals incredible. Holy shit. There's some real primo space fighting that happens in this movie. Not to mention when General Suter, the bad guy, turned like we, literally we talk about his name being they crib some special effects from Bill Bixby's Incredible Hulk and his eyes turn green, <laughs> but it's like Okay. Since you brought up Suter, here's a question. When so in the very be oh God, I don't even know where to start. All right, so very beginning, it's a clear Star Wars ripoff. Yeah, that's pretty. Literally the yeah. Death Star scene going over the screen and fake TIE fighters shooting at it. It's exactly what it looks well, like. Well, I'm sure there's a technical name for them that we'll never know. So this is, what, 15 years after Star Wars? A New Hope? Star Wars was 77, so yeah, 14 years. Okay. If you, if you, it wouldn't take much to convince me that this was made before Star Wars with how bad the special effects are. It would take almost nothing to convince me that this was made before Star Wars. So you see this, this Star Wars ripoff entrance scene, and then you see Hogan just like trying to save the day in this spaceship, and there are what would be the stormtroopers of the bad guy's force are just guys wearing hats with gray ponytails. Why the fuck did the bad guys all have to have long gray ponytails? Thoughts? It's an interesting uh, style choice for your guard. Suter had male pattern baldness. He didn't even shave his head all the way. And then all all of his minions just have long silver ponytails. What the fuck was that choice? I think maybe maybe ponytails are intimidating. I mean, you see that Hogan keeps his flowing mane, and this is Hogan at the point where the, the top is totally gone. He looks uh, good. He did look good. He looked very tan. Uh, in fact, my wife was watching very briefly. She didn't stick through much of this. She's like, why is he so purple? So like, he's not purple. He's just fake tan. C- correct. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So getting back to... General Suter. General Suter, the main bad guy. He pulls a gun out on Hogan. And He's then, a terrible shot, for the record, General Suter, as we find out. And then the president of where the fuck ever, not Earth. President Hashina. I don't know. The president of what? They don't, yeah. I don't know if there's there's any planet names mentioned or what he's actually the president of. But he carries around an extremely sharp credit card. He has, yeah, he has like an index card that's made out of steel. 
Yeah, like throws a flashcard you'd use like to teach a kid something. Throws it at General Su. He keeps it in his sleeve like a fucking magician. Solid choice. Throws they must have not searched that. At General Suter's hand that's holding the gun, cuts his fucking hand off. At which point I'm expecting, oh, Hogan will like break away from the guards and go attack Suter. Yeah. No, no, no. That's not what happens. He cuts his fucking hand off, and everybody just sits there like a bunch of dummies and lets his hand grow back into an alien hand. What the fuck was that? I'm curious as to how his hand grew back, because his human suit, like the flesh he wears around his strange alien uh, existence, is much smaller than the alien. So where was he hiding that hand? Okay. Great question. No fucking idea. But... (laughs) So he gets his hand cut off and an alien hand grows out of him. At the end of the movie, he gets punched in the balls by Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, and that sends him over the edge too. And you get the same hand come out. Yep. Green eyes. (laughs) Yep. And then he turns into a monster. The Incredible Hulk thing. What? So he just kind of has to get hit in the balls or his hand cut off and Uh, an alien hand You wouldn't like General Suter when he's angry. The the trouble is... Suter for me? I think it's S-U-I-T-O-R. Well, He's always angry. So what really makes that snap decision? I don't know. He was a terrible villain. It's like oh, a, he was great. I strong disagree. So we've talked a bit about the incredible space visuals. I'm not even close to being done. <laughs> I, I want to know, how soon after hearing the opening rap song by J-Rock did you attempt to download it? Okay, so here's the thing. That's Hogan doing backup, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Why the fuck does Hulk Hogan need to be on the intro song? It's a nice place to live. What? What is the point of that? I don't know. It, We've had this conversation. There's Mike. actually really no words in the song aside from it's a nice place to live and then Hogan going, but you wouldn't want to be there or something to that effect. Nope. And he delivered it exactly as you just did. No rhythm. Just talks the lines over this rap song. Yeah. Calling it a rap song is a little generous. I was actually shocked that that was part of the budget where they commissioned this you know, brand new song for this movie. So again, I've given you my criticism of Gran Torino. Love the film. One of only two things that really bothers me is at the end, it's Clint Eastwood singing Gran Torino. Yeah, and uh, I would actually think Hogan is a better song singer-songwriter than Clint Eastwood. <laughs> are we going to label him singer-songwriter? <laughs> I'm going to give him a songwriting credit. That's... I don't know how much he was in the studio for that. Oh, I have an idea. I have an inkling of it. I have a feeling, you know, you had J-Rock sitting behind the glass, like, uh, for that Eddie Murphy video with Rick James. He's just fist pumping while Hogan's party doing his lines. Party all the time, yeah. party all the time. Shep Ramsey likes to party all the time. Shep Ramsey. This is just a shit, shitload of weird names. General Souter. What's General going Souter, on? General Souter, President Hashina, Shep Ramsey. Charlie... Charlie Wilcox. Charlie Wilcox. Was his was his son's name? Uh... You know, I don't know either of the kids' names, but it's almost like he doesn't even have kids. They're literally in a couple of scenes. His son had a sweet name. Like Hulk Hogan saves one from a runaway car on the residential street. Oh, another thing. Saves, I mean, he basically saves his career, saves his marriage, saves his son. Okay, so... There's this montage of Hulk Hogan doing good stuff. They call it in movies the save the cat moment, right? So they show him yep. 
There's actually a lot of it. Oh, yeah. There's like seven or eight good things he does. We only needed one. Including beating up a mime, which is doing everyone a favor, let's be honest. We got it. That's a whole topic, so we can't bring that into this. So he's doing good stuff. The one that threw me off was the girl says, my cat's stuck in the tree. He bends the tree branch down. She goes, it's not my cat. He lets it go. Just lets it go. The fucking cat just dies, right? Uh, So here's my question. Oh, I'm not done. She can see the cat. Listen, so he kills a cat in front of a child. And at the end of the movie, it's the same little girl. And she goes, my cat's stuck in the tree. And I'm thinking, oh, she'll go, oh, that was my cat. So we know it's alive. Nope. She goes, this one is my cat. So he literally kills a cat at the beginning of the movie. Well, one, there's no cats in whatever uh, planet, galaxy, or interspace he's from. They have English, but no cats? They have the title president, but no cats? Uh, I'd be willing to bet there's no cats. Uh, One of my true falses is is about that little girl. Don't get into the segment yet. Uh, So, just to tease you. Is she a famous actress? She's famous. As soon as I saw her, I was trying to figure out where she was from. Uh, You know, I did a real deep dive into the cast listing on this one, uh, just to see who was who and, you know, come up with some stuff. Because, again, there wasn't that many behind-the-scenes things that we'll talk about later. But there is some interesting IMDb on there. Yeah, which we'll have to get into the mime at some point. Because, like the Sting revelation... From the wrestling The mime revelation is going to blow your mind. Just go to IMDb for this movie, look at the full cast, and look at the guy that played the mime. Just look at his picture. His name is Tom Morga. Look at the picture he gets, and then look at the roles he's played. This whole movie, for me, is that. It's just that guy. And his credits on IMDb, the roles he's played... The picture he chose for his IMDb photo, it's awesome. So Shep is ordered to take a vacation by his boss because he's he's losing it. He's not as good as he used to be. He failed to save President Hashina. So one of my main questions is, he can literally choose anywhere he wants to go. So why didn't he end up going to France or somewhere nice? He said he goes to this random suburb in Los Angeles. Doesn't... I thought he had no control over that. Like, I thought the plane just crashed. Well, it stabilized, I thought. I know he was running out of juice, but surely he could have, like, went somewhere more interesting. Oh, because they couldn't find actors that could be in any... It's called Suburban Commando, not French Commando. True, but it could have been, like, Vineyard Commando. And, like, Wine Ooh, Country? there's a sequel. I No. How about, how about Urban Commando? He gets dropped into the Cabrini Green projects in Chicago. <laughs> I have a story about that urban commando, actually. What? So just wait. <laughs> uh, so he rents an apartment from Christopher Lloyd. They're broke. That's again, financially bails him out. Uh, and Christopher Lloyd is very uneasy with him because he's gigantic and he wears great sleeveless tees, and you know he can skateboard. So I could watch the stunt work of Hulk Hogan on the skateboard, not just his fall, but at the end of it, when they fake have him on the skateboard, I could watch that. Oh, when he's like doing the, like, like he's surfing, it is just fantastic. So first of all, I could, I could describe his outfits in the movie as 
Well, he's wearing Zubaz in like a tight blue long sleeve t-shirt at the end. It's actually how people dress to go to the gym now that are sweet. The end outfit is my favorite outfit because he's rocking the Zubaz, the high top sneakers. And like a Although he should have went he should have went sleeveless shirt cuz he wore sleeveless literally the entire movie. His There's no middle ground. He's either wearing long sleeves or sleeveless. Yeah, his intergalactic warrior gear is sleeveless. <laughs> Correct. And somehow it fits Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, so when Christopher Lloyd, here's the question. When Christopher Lloyd steals his his armor and goes and saves that lady, why, when he turns it on, does he do the fucking worm? Well, apparently it makes you dance well, too. What's the utility of... Uh, here's the thing. Oh, you know, it's you not know even, the utility of doing the worm. It's not an exoskeleton. It's like shin guards, wrist guards. There's a nice crotch piece. There Which is, seems to be another theme with this show. And it lights up. In, uh, weird crotch pieces to suits. Yeah, and a, and a chest plate. How could that like control your body? It makes no sense. Dude, you don't ask questions about Shep Ramsey's gear. You know that. You got to stop calling him Shep Ramsey. He is Hulk Hogan. He's got a freeze gun for Pete's sake. This movie. I, I want to know. So back to him sort of Why was the mime doing stuff at night? Why was he being a mime at night? Why was the mime in an alley? Correct. And after you get beat up by a giant guy, a giant muscular man, uh, why are you in the same spot? If you are like, doing... It might be time to go home for If the you're night. doing mime activities in front of no audience at night, you might be a serial killer. I mean, it's conceivable. Well, turns out. Well, you know, mass uh, murderer for sure. Yeah. He, <laughs> he's performing things that very easily could have been practiced... At home, in front of a mirror, uh, or <laughs> anywhere that's not in some dangerous general locale. I'm not done yet. Pulled up the notes here. Here's a question. They do a close-up of his hair at one point, and <laughs> I have a theory about this, but why does he have a giant braid in his hair? Like it's his blonde mullet. He's on vacation. <laughs> as soon as I saw that, it reminded me of Vacation Mike from The Office yeah. when he gets back from... From uh, sandals, from sandals, sandals Jamaica, yeah. with Jan. I was like, ah, oh, shit, he has a braid, and it's because he's on vacation. I thought that was awesome. Uh, I think so. Here's one of the things that we know he's not human. Uh, when they go to the bank where these two guys that Christopher Lloyd foiled their uh, assault attempt, they stole his freeze gun. Now, one of the main questions I have is why are all his accessories traceable? Well, they put out energy from another planet, so... Okay, so that's fair. But literally everything he owns is traceable. Uh, And they try to freeze Hogan. They can't because he just sucks down a load of antifreeze. Sucks down a load. (laughs) We might have to to run that one back. That was aggressive. He drinks a little bit of antifreeze, and then he's immune to being frozen, which... Which, yeah, I guess that makes... Here's what else makes him an alien or just a complete idiot. When he is... When he is getting Christopher Lloyd out of work and going to find his equipment that Christopher Lloyd uses, Christopher Lloyd puts the key into his car. It's like a geostorm or something. A geoprism. He puts the key into his car door. Hogan is really upset that he doesn't open it immediately, so he rips Christopher Lloyd's driver's side door off. Christopher Lloyd gets in, and Hogan opens the door to the passenger side and just gets in normally. Christopher Lloyd did not unlock it. He, Hogan was in before Lloyd got in. What 
what is going on? Made here? almost no sense that that one would be unlocked, and Christopher Lloyd couldn't get his door open. Uh, wh- but hey, again, maybe it's a pesky lock. Another favor he does Lloyd saves his, saves him from having to get that replaced. So you brought up the freeze gun. The freeze gun. So it freezes a bunch of people in the bank. It freezes yes. Christopher Lloyd. What really bothers me, and I could only find this movie in standard def. I couldn't find it in high Oh, def. no, it doesn't. I bought it. It only exists in standard def. <laughs> so you have to watch the movie just for this. All the frozen people basically have like some sort of like white spray paint on them. They're all supposed to be frozen, and they're all fucking moving. As they're walking through the bank, you can see their hands shaking. They're like... Heads going left and right. It's like, maybe they should have just got mannequins. It was bothering me so bad. So, so that annoyed you more than the two stuffed dogs the woman was holding? Oh, way. When they would do like close-ups on the people's faces that were frozen, their faces were like shaking and ticking. Like It, it killed me. Like They couldn't get shots of people not moving for literally two seconds. No, it was pretty bad. Christopher Lloyd seemed to do pretty well, so maybe he was a mannequin. Because he did have to stand up in a car frozen. Well, I guess that's why he's one of the, you know, top build actors. I mean, he's actually good in this movie. He has some nice interplay with Larry Miller. Hogan is pretty brutal throughout. Uh, the Undertaker steals the show. He's one of the bounty hunters. Yeah, we very impressive grunting. The bounty hunters that are tracking Hogan down are Chubby Undertaker and the catcher from angels in the outfield yep so this is very early uh wwe undertaker uh so i have a question because they really weren't very good at their jobs but they had some neat equipment better bounty hunters them or boba fett oh good question both die in equally stupid ways i think uh well boba fett's a better bounty hunter right he's actually caught people that i we don't know, know of. is he isn't he like a a world renowned universe renowned bounty hunter so they say, but I'm sure these guys are too. No one says it in the movie. I'm willing to bet these guys have never caught anyone. If they're going to get this job from Suter, I think they're top notch. I bet one of them's like loosely related to Suter. It's like that. If one of them was related to Suter, it'd be the guy who eats chili dogs and angels in the outfield. It's like that reject nephew you have that you have to hire to work for you and he just fucks everything up. I bet that's what this is. This is Jimmy King's son being hired by, uh, what the heck was what was Apache Shawn Michaels' Apache actual Michaels. name? Yeah, if we could get um, if we could get the director's cut, if we could get our hands on the director's cut of this, there's probably a whole storyline about one of those bounty hunters. About one of them, uh, yeah. And they're just fuck us. It's like he owed him. It's like Spalding from Caddyshack. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. That that's the only way to explain how the how inept these two are to get that kind. of I'm going to say Undertaker, not the other guy, but Undertaker who plays Hutch. Is a better bounty hunter than Undertaker's Boba Fett. a chubby ginger in this. It took me. A, he looks like John Crook. It took me a He's second. Got some crook to realize maybe who some he Darren was. Dalton. <laughs> he, he, he doesn't look good. He is not quite the dead man yet. So I think he's like coming off of like his mean Mark Callis days or something like that. He's the Fed man. But he was not. Uh, yeah. I, I he's think, not that big. I think in the early nineties. Like, wrestlers didn't have to be as yoked as they are today. Just mass. So, uh, you know, this is the second movie we've seen where getting frozen seems to have no adverse effects on you as a person. In this one, at least they get headaches. Yeah. In Batman and Robin, like, nothing happens to you. You're just frozen. 
If you're frozen long enough, you die. But being frozen in itself, not a big deal. Well, yeah, I think you have a headache after it in this one. That's all that happens. So back to Hogan sort of uh, walking the streets of wherever the heck this is supposed to be in California. Uh, He runs into like a, a... You think this was California? A car alarm. Oh, yeah. And the car alarm is very smart. So I want to know which was a more sophisticated piece of electronics. The talking Alfred computer or the sentient car alarm that Shep murders in cold blood? Trick question. It's the Undertaker's boots that can be hacked with paper clips. Those bo- Are those not the same boots from the Mario Brothers movie? Yeah. From the JT Money video, who dat? Well, those are, those are the boots from, uh, <laughs> was it Face Off? Yeah, but they're the same boots from the they Mario the Brothers. Same. There they are some uh, there are some borrowed props in this, and I don't want to get into all of them because some are uh, featured later. But like some of the guns they used were from Masters of the Universe. Not surprised. Yeah, not surprised at all. Yeah, so they did recycle some things. Yeah, like the special effects from a movie in the seventies. The special effects are not good. It's fascinating how terrible they were. It's literally the same lasers that come out of the Star Wars guns. It's dog crap. So eventually the bounty hunters, they lose him the first time around. Of course, he fights him again. He uses the paper clips and whatnot. Obviously, Chef Ramsey saves the day. Suter shows up. He turns into a giant weird-looking alien. But there's a scene where the bounty hunters are like, I don't know, hanging out, waiting to figure out where Shep went at a drive-thru at Surfenberger. That made no sense to me. In like a just-married car. These guys have a friggin' spaceship. What? Why did they steal a convertible? They're trying to blend in. So when they go to Christopher Lloyd's boss's party, and again, Hogan has a tux that matches Lloyd's. And dude, that guy can pull off a tux. He was also wearing white socks, which really bothered me for some reason. I didn't even notice that. So he's wearing a tux. He has white socks on. And the bounty hunters find him, and they start fighting and stuff. And then... They have to steal the boss's uh, awards. They're like these crystals. Oh, my gosh. Awards. I wanted to ask you, how mm. bad did they foreshadow that those awards were going to come into play later in the movie? Immediately at the beginning when they showed all six. I was oh. like, well. It just he- so happens that I've got 60 pounds of simian <laughs> crystals sitting here. And it's like, why would he even feel the need to say the type of crystal that these are? So here's something that didn't register to me or didn't really make sense. Why the fuck did the secretary have a six shooter? Because she's a badass, and that's why she absconds with Shep Ramsey to the Galaxy Unknown. Absconds. So in that same party, um, Larry Miller is being extremely racist to the Japanese people. First, he offers them a round of kamikazes. (laughs) Second, when they come in and he's like trying to fill time before explaining the architecture plans he was that Christopher Lloyd made, and he's taking credit for it, he's just talking to them about Godzilla movies. Oh, yeah, that's true, yeah. Mildly offensive. Larry Miller's character is just supposed to be kind of a bumbling asshole. No. Like, he's a guy that takes all the credit for Christopher Lloyd's work, for Charlie Wilcox's work. He works him to the bone. Uh, He doesn't want to pay him extra. You know, all the typical, like, you're a terrible boss stuff. So. And he's the perfect guy to do it because he's great at being the asshole. I don't know if this bothered you or was as noticeable as it was to me, but when Suter becomes the predator at the end, his only fucking move is to lift his hands in the air. 
He does he, it like seven times. He's an, he's an incredibly weak monster. There must have been something wrong with the suit. His whole guy, thing is just raising his arms and going, Aah! Yeah, it's like he's celebrating a victory, but he didn't do anything. Like, that's his only move. And like he's much stronger physically than Shep. And yet he gets killed in like the most routine way imaginable. He, we know he can regenerate limbs. Apparently, yeah. But all he does is lift his arms in the air. I think the highlight of that is he's like sort of taunting Shep. And he's like, oh, now you're dead, Ramsey. And he's just shooting and missing wildly. It's like, just get it over with. And then, of course, Christopher Lloyd shows up. And then he turns into the air, punches him in the crotch. Grabs his nuts. Kills yeah. him. Okay, so here's the thing. They're trying to put you know, a ribbon on it. They're trying to wrap up it, the story real nicely at the end. Hogan finally... Did you cry? No. Because yeah. I wanted to ask you if that was the most heartfelt goodbye in cinema I actually history. Did, how long was this movie? It's an hour and a half. Well, probably an hour and 20 minutes if you count credits. So about an hour and 20 minutes in, I did cry when I stopped it and saw that I paid two ninety nine to rent it. Dude, so, I do not regret anything about the nine ninety nine I paid to buy it. So here's, here's... I can't believe you bought it. Here's what blew my mind. There's this runner. Again, Christopher Lloyd's life is terrible. He's a huge pussy. And one of the things that they do to show you that he's a pussy is there's a traffic light where him and these cars sit at this traffic light. On they the always have like the... a little drag race. Yep. They're all like a small stretch of road. Revving their engines. And it's like a station wagon and his Geo Metro. They're all like revving their engines. But they're at this traffic light. And also it's the same eight cars. Correct. Every day. That was a budgetary issue. So they're sitting at this traffic light and they can see the next light. And they know that unless they gun it, they they don't make that next light. So all the cars gun it and they, they run the yellow. But Christopher Lloyd goes halfway into the fucking intersection and then reverses back because he doesn't want to have run the yellow. That happens twice. At least. Twice. So they show him being a pussy because he refuses to run this yellow light, but all the traffic around him, and even behind him, literally behind him. Just goes him, around him. They run it, but he reverses back. And by the way, back. remember, this is California, so we're supposed to believe at rush hour, there's only 12 cars. Okay. Cut to the end of the movie. So they, they show Christopher Lloyd telling his boss off. Uh, he they, actually hits him with blueprints, which I enjoyed. They show, like he's becoming... A man now, right? He, Hogan's given him the confidence to take life. Dude, take the there's a lot the of heartfelt lessons. So at the very end of the movie, he's at the fucking stoplight. The door's ripped off of the car so you can see Christopher Lloyd in it. And he guns it through the traffic light that he's refused to run this whole movie. So he runs a yellow light. New beginnings. But none of the other cars do. So yeah. f- throughout the whole movie, they've run this yellow light, but for some reason, they don't run it this time, and only Christopher Lloyd does. Why? You know what the message is there? You best not mess with the new version of Charlie Wilcox. He's a new man now. You know, a couple a week with Shep Ramsey has changed his outlook on life. This guy is a man renewed. I understand what they're going for, but why the fuck wouldn't the other cars still run it? Because they've been running it the whole movie. They just saw they'd got dusted. They didn't. They just all stopped. I think you could take Charlie Wilcox from this movie, insert him into Fast and the Furious, and he's the best drag racer of the bunch, bar none. It's his, he's basically 
Michael Douglas from Falling Down, except an alien makes him tougher. Well, he's not a total psychopath. <laughs> he shoots a fucking traffic light. Yeah. Is that a total psychopath move? It's a, hey, it's, a, it's certainly a Ted Kaczynski move, the Unabomber, who believed traffic lights were constricting us as human beings. I They're trying to put us in a box. Total psychopath. But I just So is the sequel to this movie him sending like package bombs to people? Yeah, I can see that. I can see like that. Like he's like, now I make the rules. He's overly confident. So Wilcox, a man renewed, they have this just tearful goodbye on top of the building because Hulk Hogan has to, Shep Ramsey has to destroy his ship uh, in the fight with Suter. Uh, you learn he really actually didn't have to later because he wins the fight. But then he takes the bounty hunter ship and uh, just, man, a lot of emotions going on on that roof. So he's, did did he murder the Undertaker and the catcher? Well, the catcher had a, uh, what's it called, fall on his head, an elevator. So he's dead. He died. Yeah. Not enough chili dogs. And the Undertaker, the Undertaker goes face first into a brick wall. And if you watch the film carefully, as they're doing this like stunt, he kicks his boots and they're whirling around this pole. They keep showing like the end of the hallway. Like it's supposed to be far off in the distance. It's clearly a tarp showing you how far the hallway extends. Damn it. It's not great. Uh, in his titular line when he jams the Undertaker's boots with paper clips is have a nice flight, camel breath. I mean, Hogan... Someone wrote that. Hogan brings the heat with some of the one-liners. There's a shitload of terrible one-liners in this. Uh, so MVP of the film, to me, is Hogan in the Zubaz skateboarding. Bar no- it's the scene everybody needs right now. It will just make your day. There's... It's I, so good. I think his interactions with the mime were my favorite parts of the movie. What a runner. Also also good. He sees the guy three times. He just keeps fucking the mime up to the point where he the mime even talks. Yeah, the mime breaks character. Which is a That's how, of of how disenchanted he is with Shep Ramsey. All right, so when uh, we come back, I've assembled a pretty good list of true-false. So you'll determine... Oh, we didn't even introduce ourselves in this episode. I, the Thunderous Wizard, will test you, the irate lover, with some true or false uh, based on some internet research that I did. And some of it is pretty fascinating and fun. So we'll be right back. All right, so we're back on Hops and Box Office Flops, brought to you by RevengeOfTheFans.com. I am the Thunderous Wizard, at WriterTLK on Twitter along with the irate lover at irate underscore L-U-V-E-R dot gov at hotmail.com. You can test that. It might actually work. Unbelievable. Uh, today, actually, we forgot to mention the beer. We're drinking uh, Space Dust IPA from there you go. Elysian Brewing Company because, after all, this movie is about a man from space. Strongly recommend you suck down about 12 of those before. A great man from space. Yeah, if you were going to recommend how many beers a person should have before seeing, or as they watch this, like to get through it, what would you say? On a scale of one to six. I would would use, I wouldn't even use like a numerical ranking. I would use uh, your quote from earlier. I'd choke down a load of them. (laughs) Uh, To me, I could casually have one or two and watch this movie. I, I still love this movie. Uh, I I owned several Hulk Hogan movies on VHS when I was young. I was a huge Hulk Hogan mark. 
he was like one of my favorite wrestlers for a long time, along with a few other guys like Bret Hart and Fine. But Hogan, I use I mean I switched to WCW to follow Hogan. That's how much I love Tolkien. How Hogan. many beers do you need to watch this movie? You said one or two? Oh yeah. This is a great movie. I would say you need to butt funnel twelve. Get it right. Like in John the Cena? Correct. Blocker's underrated movie. Uh I'm going to, you know, according to Psycho underscore Charlie 666. Stop reading his stuff. Best movie of the decade. Uh, I wouldn't say that. What decade? It was made in 91. Yeah. So he best went movie, from 81 best to movie of the 90s. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. It's literally the best movie of the 90s. When was that review written? Uh, I didn't get a date. I probably should check that. But, I mean, the guy's legit. You heard how he broke down No Holds Barred the guy's in a way legit. that made no sense. Uh like there's legitimate things you could say about Noah Holds Bard, and none of them were what he said. They're just the, the greed of TV executives. Sure. What are the odds that that's a manifesto that that dude's just written? I well, you know, I didn't click the more oh. portion of the review. Good. So, am I full of shit or not? This is what we've changed sort of the internet research to. So I go out, I find some facts. Some are real, some are fake. You try and determine whether. They are true or false. I got this. I'm going to go, I'm going to bat a thousand this time. All right. So originally titled Urban Commando, as I mentioned, and intended for Danny DeVito as Charlie Wilcox and Arnold Schwarzenegger as Shep Ramsey. When these two opted to make twins, the script was bought by New Line Cinema as the follow-up to their highly successful Hulk Hogan film, No Holds Barred. Fuck. True. That is true. Wow. Now, in that movie, he wouldn't have been an intergalactic warrior from space. He just would have been like sort of like Vin Diesel from The Pacifier, where he's this special ops guy. He's trying to lay low, and he winds up with this suburban family. Or he would have been Arnold Schwarzenegger from Commando. Yeah. So John Matrix goes to Danny DeVito's house. See that? That summary right there? I would watch that. Uh, I would like to see it now. I don't care if it's like the same plot. Give it to He me. could literally go... And Danny DeVito could be playing himself like Bill Murray does in Zombieland. Yeah. And I'd, I would definitely... Hey, I'll take that. it. You know what? Run it back. Let's go. All right. I'm one for one. Let's do this. Uh, a sequel for this film was planned. It would have centered False. around... You haven't heard the whole thing I yet. don't fucking care. It would have centered around Christopher Lloyd's character going to space to help Shep with a mission. When this movie bombed, they rewrote the script, and it became Mom and Dad Save the World. Well, so that movie's fucking terrible, but there's no way a sequel for this was ever planned. False. False. Although Hulk Hogan is on record as saying that he would love to do one. Yeah, he would love to do anything that would pay him money. So you know this is true, but just for uh, the fans, the actor who portrayed the mom, Tom Morga, has also played the role of three of the great slasher villains ever. True. He played Jason in Friday the 13th, The New Beginning, Leatherface in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, and Michael Myers in Halloween 4. Now, when you look at the guy, he's he's not that big a guy. I was sort of surprised that he had played all these slashers who were generally, maybe aside from Leatherface, like Jason's huge. Michael Myers is supposed to be physically imposing. I know Hulk Hogan's a really big guy, but this guy was sort of also thin and wiry too, so... Yeah, we all, as we all know, Kane Hodder is Jason Voorhees. But this guy played him in uh, A New Beginning with uh, the one with Feldman. But this was um, uh, the one with Feldman just at the beginning, I believe, where he brings it back with lightning. But this movie... It's not a, not a strong Jason movie. No, 
And there are so many strong ones. As There's you know. about two and a half. How dare you? This, I want to know what the half is. We'll get back to that in a second. This, uh, this revelation, this is what this movie all was about for me. So about midway through, I looked up to see where the, um, one of the guys that was committing sexual assault, one of the bums that was, uh, about to commit sexual assault and then stopped by Christopher Lloyd. I was like, man, I recognize that guy. Hop on IMDb, scroll through and I just saw a picture of Jason. Like, you know, it's IMDb is normally just people's headshots. Dude, that's the best IMDb picture ever. It was so I don't know if you remember our wrestling the wrestling movie we did, there was a uh, picture of Sting the wrestler. Like Sting the wrestler was in the wrestling movie, but the picture was Sting the recording artist. <laughs> this was better. It was just a full body shot of Jason from Friday the 13th as the guy's IMDb picture instead of a headshot. And then you look at his credits, and they're the best credits ever. I think he's a stuntman by trade. Yeah, he's got to be. Because it says he's uncredited as a lot of these things, so it just means you know he was in the suit. But but he's low-key like... He's not going to pop up in the credits. He's probably been in movies that almost every horror fan... If you've seen a horror movie, you've seen this guy's work. It's it's crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, true. And, um, yeah, we kind of spoiled that one because I was so excited about it. Okay. Elizabeth Moss, who you may know from Mad Men or The Hands- Handmaid's Tale, makes an appearance as a character simply titled Holy Little Girl. Holy shit. That's her? Yeah. I knew she was from something. She's the cat girl. True. Oh, yep. my God. That's awesome. Boy, you know, that's pretty funny. I mean, she w- she went on a very good career. She's won an Emmy. Oh, yeah. This movie's... And she was just little girl. They didn't even give her a name. That's hilarious. This movie's a... The bounty hunters have a name, and they don't say... They say one line in the entire movie, and they're Knuckles and Hutch, and they get names. Their names are Knuckles and Hutch? Yeah. Why didn't we use those as our pseudonyms for this one? <laughs> that's, good. that's a good call. So that was, I thought that one was a pretty good one. That's awesome. Damn it. A, a video game adaptation, or adaption, not adaptation, of the film was scrapped after the movie did so poorly at the box office. The prototype is being played in the arcade scene. No, false. In the arcade scene, he's flying like an F-15. False. The game exists, and it's glorious. You can see videos of it online. There's a little 16-bit Hulk Hogan face at the bottom of the screen like the Doom guy. And you fly his ship around like an asteroid field. I'll the, post a I'll post that on our Twitter at Hops and Bo Flops. Uh, you know how I always do like a thread after an episode. That'll be one of the things I post. Uh, is the uh, scenes from that video game as well as the obviously the opening music song. There's a goddamn scene in this movie where a kid's playing a fighter jet arcade game, and Hulk Hogan thinks it's real, and he goes in there and he's like trying to help the kid. He's like fire the thrusters or use the eject button or some nonsense. And then Hogan throws the kid off of it and he starts to play the game. Oh yeah. Dominates the game. He doesn't beat the game. He plays the game so well, the machine starts to smoke and then it waves a white flag. It submits. The goddamn arcade machine pops its vent off, shoots a white flag out and starts to wave it. I 
hated this movie. Um, that's how good he was at the game. What boggled my mind most about that particular scene was that everything the kid said, he understood. Like it was like they lived in the same galaxy. But so, the game was an. It was. But a the game was jet. like a fighter jet game. It made no sense. Okay, I'm betting a thousand. So far, the mailman who played by Mark Miles also appeared in one of the Indiana Jones movies. Shit. True. Okay, who do you think he was? <laughs> but I'm right. Yeah. Yes. He was. Um. Uh. One of the Temple of Doom people. No. He played the sheriff in the flashback scene in The Last Crusade. So the guy who shows up at Indy's house with the uh, grave robbers yeah, and makes him give the cross back. Oh, still back <clears> a thousand. Are we done? We should end it. I no. can't keep getting these right. The Undertaker, who appears as the bounty hunter Hutch. That's true. Was feuding with Hogan in the WWE prior to this film. Vince thought it was a natural fit for him to make an appearance in the movie because they were having an ongoing feud. False. It is false. Yes. During filming, he had yet to debut in WWE. The plan was for Hogan to again feud with a villain from one of his films, as he had done with Zeus from No Holds Barred. Wait, Undertaker wasn't the Undertaker when this was filmed? Nope. He was just some random they guy? Had, they had signed him. They knew he had good, he had wrestling experience. And one of the things that they regretted about Zeus and Hogan feuding in in wrestling like they did in the movie was that Zeus couldn't wrestle. So Zeus had like started to train wrestling after the movie came out. They brought him to WWE. It was sort of a disaster. But The Undertaker really could wrestle. So they're like, oh, this is going to be great. People will see him in the movie, and then we'll start this feud. And as it turns out, people did not see him in the movie because no one saw this fucking movie. You know, if you remember when he debuts, uh, he comes out of the casket at Survivor Series and beats up Hogan. Wait, so what... What was his character before he wrestled as The Undertaker? He was like mean Mark Callis or something. He had been just like a general big guy with, oh, I'm mean Mark. Didn't Stone Cold have a really weird one before he was Stone Cold? Well, he was part of the Hollywood Blondes with Brian Pillman. He had a full head of blonde He was the ringmaster. Yeah, he did have, I wouldn't say it was full, but Pillman had a full head of hair. Rude. Uh, But yeah, they were the the tag team, the Hollywood Blondes. Stunning Steve Austin. Okay, remember when I was talking about he was doing, like, nice things at the beginning of the movie when he gets to Earth, so you know he's a good guy? One of the things he does is there's a dog in a truck, and it's, like, hot out. Yeah, And it has awesome. a muzzle. So he puts the guy in the truck. I'm 90% sure that muzzle got, like, five times as big because it takes up the guy's whole face instead of just the dog's yeah. snout. But I thought that was Jake the Snake for a second. When he's just sitting there, I was like, that looks like Jake the Snake. No, yeah, Jake the Snake. If he ate the snake, that's rude. That guy, he was he was a decent sized guy. So yeah, they definitely had the muzzle. How many more uh, size larger? True falses we got left. Uh, we got three. Damn it! General Souter, the film's principal antagonist, was played by William Ball. He only has three other acting roles to his credit. True. True. Yes. Before Suburban Commando, he hadn't appeared in anything since an episode of Streets of San Francisco in the seventies. And Suburban Commando is his last film. Did his did his eyebrows like unnerve you at all? Not as much as his haircut. No, he looked like Don Rickles. He did look a little bit like Don Rickles. That's like crazy, insane eyebrows. Okay. Mm-hmm. Two more. You're you're almost there. The tracking device they used to find Shep's gun 
is the same device from Ghostbusters 1 and 2. True. True. <laughs> it's the psychokinetic energy meter, the PKE. Yep, it, you can it, tell because those little arms come up on the side. It was also used in They Live, which also starred a wrestler, Roddy Piper. That's a good one. Last true or false? Can okay, you go perfect? Going a thousand, baby. Let's the makeup it. they used on the frozen people in the bank was the same flocking used in Terminator <laughs> Two. Fuck. Uh, false. There's no way. False. I have zero idea what they used for it. Uh, it I would so imagine bad. that it was much more toxic and much cheaper. It was just silver asbestos. Okay, so that concludes true false. The I a thousand lover, knuckles. Bad of a thousand, he went perfect. Knuckles and Hunch. So when we come back, we're going to do a new segment. Recasting this film with all Oscar winners. I'm so excited. I forgot that this was going to be a segment, so I'm just going to make mine up on the fly. So I did some research. I uh, tried to keep people from relatively the same eras. But uh, I think you'll like what I chose. So we'll be back. Okay, we're back on Hops and Box Office Flops, brought to you by RevengeTheFans.com. We are going to recast Suburban Commando with all Oscar winners. Now, I think this is a bit of a loaded category. It's sort of unfair because Christopher Lloyd deserves to remain as Charlie Wilcox. I agree. And I say Hulk we keep Hogan, Lloyd. Uh, is definitely my Shep Ramsey. Nope. Here's my catch. You have to recast Hogan. I did. Okay. But the person that plays him... Has to keep the same hair and mustache combo. Oh, then you're going to like who I cast. <laughs> so for Shep Ramsey, All right. uh, I went with Russell Crowe. Because to me, if you're going to cast somebody to take on the physical demands of being an what intergalactic warrior, why not make it Maximus? What the so, fuck? And Shep, just like Jarrell, Superman's father, is sort of a warrior poet. And I thought Crow's just the perfect fit to be the guy that can handle the gravitas of this role. So Russell Crowe was my uh, pick for Shep Ramsey. Okay. And so out of respect for what just happened on WrestleMania this past Sunday, I'm going to pick an African-American guy simply, okay. simply to honor Kofi Kingston for taking the belt back. From Daniel Bryan. When we talk about Mania, I'm a little perturbed that <laughs> I know. Daniel Bryan became like the face of like the evil white conglomerate when it was like, you know, by all rights, he should have been wrestling Vince. Daniel Bryan's an environmentalist who just tells people that they're destroying the world and he's not wrong. P.S. I'm only, I only said that to get Thunder all fired up. Okay. So I'll say replace Hulk Hogan. God, you did Russell Crowe. The Crow Man. He's got to wear sleeveless shirts, though. Yeah, well, Shep Ramsey, he's going to have to get back to the gym, Russell, and that's fine. He knows he knows what's up. All right, I'll go Marlon Brando. Okay. <laughs> so, what, like, what era Brando are we talking about? Are we talking about, like, on the waterfront Brando or the island of Dr. Moreau Brando? Is the last tango in Paris the one where he stuck butter in that chick's butt? <laughs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> okay, we'll do Island of Dr. Moreau. <laughs> I want him... Okay. I, I'm into that. I want him Although wearing... I think he'd be better as General Suter. <laughs> oh, oh, that's a good call. No, like whoever Moreau plays... Brando as General Suter is phenomenal. Uh, whoever plays Suter has to be, like, funny. 
I feel like like that role has to be funny, almost space ballsy. I want I want the because I mean I mean with the way Brando sounded and the lines he delivers in the Island of Doctor Moreau, they could get him to say pretty much anything they want in this movie. So it could be super alien. True. So for Charlie Wilcox, we no, both, we're not recast. I don't think you can I, do better than Lloyd. I, I we both say we want to keep Lloyd, but I thought Tom Hanks could step in. Tom Hanks, the everyman. Okay. He could definitely play like he's the, played sort of the schlub. What was that movie where he rode around on a Vespa, and he was going to night school? Um, Not a good one. Joe versus the volcano. <laughs> <laughs> you know he could be the you know the, the dad. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, he's always sort of the. If you look at the money pit, you look okay. at the burbs. He's just like sort of this guy. Did has Adam Sandler won an Oscar? No. Not even for like an animated short or a comedy or something like that. No Sandler Oscars. Because I mean, he's it's basically the character from a. Uh, is it Click where he's an architect? Yeah. <laughs> Where's the just... character from like It's a Wonderful Life? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. By the way, the laziest jobs you can give to people in movies is architect or like marketing. I'm in marketing or I'm an architect. I mean, yeah. And I um, think he was a marketer in. Anger management, Adam Sandler. Of course he was. His name's not Fat Shit Cat. His name's Meatball, and he's eating your crab cakes. <laughs> That's a great line. All right, so I can't do. So he, so you can keep Lloyd if you want. No, no, no. Uh, I, I'll, I'll try to recast it. So down on his. Oh, okay. Um, is Adrian Brody won an Oscar? Yeah, for the pianist. There you go. I think he could play like a real. Real sh- real you know, I, I thought about him like a disheveled Brody as Charlie Wilcox. I but think who's it his works. wife? I think you have to have the foil, like the. Well, that's why I I went with for Jenny Wilcox. I went with Meryl Streep. I'm reuniting Ooh. the Streeper and Hanks. Streepster, that's a. You know, so in the post they were they had like sort of a love hate relationship. She was his boss. Here, I think. They the chemistry between those two it's perfect for, hey I'm married to this haggard self defeating guy. So I think in, yeah, so for mine I'd change the Shelley Duvall character instead of being like so supportive like she is, I'd want her to be like really like up his ass about stuff like really threatening to leave him and stuff. So give me so she's Jennifer Lawrence from, what was that movie where. She was from New Jersey. Amer- it's American Hustle. What's that movie where she was from New Jersey? That's all you're giving me? What's uh, a- fat Christian Bale's in it, and he's yeah. gained a lot I of weight, and he's American balding. Yeah. Oh, uh, Dick. Vice. <laughs> he, guy's a chameleon. He does, he does balding heavy set man very well. Nailed it. What's, um, <laughs> I legitimately for a second thought the movie was called Dick. <laughs> Dick. Vice. Isn't there a movie called Dick with Kirsten Dunst and Michelle Williams about their deep throat in the uh, Watergate scandal? That's it's like called the whole... Good Dick, isn't it? No, that's a different movie. I think. <laughs> that's a different movie. <laughs> yeah, um, Good Dick hunting. Uh, so what's um? Give me give me a someone that's won an, an Oscar Who's... that could play a real evil like wife. And has Angelina Jolie won an Oscar? I'm going to say no. She probably has. Maybe. I think she has. 
uh, yeah, no, I don't, I don't see her being like real mean to, who'd I recast Chris Lloyd as? You went with Adrian Brody. Yeah, I don't see her being mean to Adrian Brody. Like, to be mean to Adrian Brody in a movie, you gotta be real shrew. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Should've done your research. <laughs> It'll come to me. Oh, you know who, who it could be? Um, <laughs> the chick that was in, uh, the Billboards movie. Signs? Not signs. Oh, Fargo. yeah. Fargo. Oh, uh, Frances McDormand? Frances McDormand. Yeah, three billboards. She could she be. Could, she could she be takes no shit. Him. Yeah. She's she a great actress. I love her. Really make him get his shit together. Uh, so Jenny Wilcox, Frances McDormand. All right, I like that. Uh, for General Souter, uh, played by the uh, William Ball, who not an active guy, I chose Gary Oldman. I think Gary Oldman's perfect for the role. He's great with sci-fi. Fifth Element. He loves sort of doing costume work. He was Count Dracula. He was a dwarf. He was the pimp in True Romance. He was a dwarf. <laughs> I mean, I I think he's he's great at that sort of stuff. So I chose Gary Oldman. Back to sci-fi. Here he comes. Big comeback. The remake of Suburban Commando. He's facing off with Russell Crowe. I like it. Mahershala Ali. Hey, that's solid. I'll take that. He's a good actor. Yeah. He's a two-time Oscar winner. Back to back. So, you can't beat that. And lastly, we were going to recast I'm going to switch. I'm going to flip-flop. Mahershala Mahershala Ali is going to play Hulk Hogan. So, he should probably... That's fair. He should be the good guy. But, again, remember, he has to keep the Fu Manchu and the hair. I would pay that good would be money an interesting to see Mahershala Ali with that with wild, Hogan's haircut, wild ass haircut and mustache combination, and then I'll make Brando the bad guy, like you said. I think that's a good call. My movie's gonna one win because Oscar. if you're going with Moreau Brando, he can't physically hold up to a younger Mahershala Ali. Oh no! Like he's pretty much toast in that in that ending. General Souter wins. He kidnaps Francis McDormand. You know, there is no sweet skateboarding and Zubaz to be happening in that universe. Yeah, this is a this is good. And so my I'm last gonna... my last bit of casting was for the two bounty hunters, Knuckles, who was okay. played by Tony Longo. I think I, I think it was the extra chili dog I ate, and Hutch, the Undertaker. You're a dead man, Ramsey. Are you gonna use wrestlers? I did not. Because I don't think any wrestlers have won an Oscar, of course. So <laughs> I've got Crow. Crow's a tough son of a gun. He's he's Australian. Loves rugby. He's tough. I needed two guys who could stand up to him. I went with Javier Bardem. Oh, nice. Call it Frendo, and Jeff Bridges. So he's sort of like the older bounty hunter at the end of his rope. So Souter brings him in for the interview. It's like, how many people have you shot? Do it. Do the impression. Shot or killed. I so you got Rooster Cogburn, and you got the guy whose name I can't remember from No Country for Old Men. I mean, this is a showdown. All right, I'll go. Um, I'll go. Ben Affleck and Matt Damon are my bounty hunters. Well, that's you know that's sort of a natural fit. They were the two archangels in Dogma. I feel like. Affleck could very easily be the catcher from Angels in the Outfield. Plus, he's he can he can beef up. 
He got beefy for Batman. Kind of got yoked for Batman. So Affleck can get put on the muscle. He could pack on the muscle. And I feel like Damon could do a great high pitched voice. So. Yeah, that's one of the great things that the bounty hunters never talk because they both speak like children or like they just inhaled some helium. So that's the Undertaker's one line. Dude, my movie is crushing. I think my movie probably goes on to be the highest grossing movie of all time. So, but besting Avatar by you got to pick a billion. You got to pick an Oscar winner to rewrite the dialogue. To rewrite it? Yeah. I would. I would take Goldman if he were still with us. Goldman, that you know, William Goldman, who did all the President's Men and was a script doctor on many projects, including the movie was made ninety. Last Action Hero. I'll give that to you. Yeah. Ninety-one. I think go. he's a great fit for that. And then I'd probably bring Spielberg in to direct. That's aggressive. Yeah. I, I'm going I'm going for it. He's not taking that? Oh, he'd take this movie. If, take- if, I, if I was an agent and I called him up and I said, guess what? I got Russell Crowe. I got Jeff Bridges. I got Javier Bardem. Who's, he's like, sign me up. Let's the, go. Who's uh, the Mexican gentleman that did The Shape of Water? Guillermo del Toro. He's my, uh, he's my director. It's a good pick. He's going to direct for me. And then I'm going to have Tarantino do the dialogue. Has he won an Academy Award? Uh, yeah. They're all, they're basically all just going to have really long monologues. I'm telling you this right now. If I, if Spielberg gets that call, he's not even asking for money. None of the actors are either. They're all taking points Well, it's because Tom Hanks office. is in it. He'll do anything with Hanks. Yeah, I'm telling you. They're all taking points at the box office. Next thing you know, this thing grosses $7.5 billion. Everybody wins an Oscar for their role. I don't even know how that's possible because there's only so many Oscars for acting, but everybody wins one. I'm going to shoot two versions of my movie, one in English and one in Spanish. Ooh, a broader audience. Okay, that's It's going to be higher grossing. No subtitles, none of that bullshit. They're actually going to perform both of them in... Two different You're going to have, it's like the shiny and chrome edition of Mad Max. Like, you're actually going to have a black and white version of the movie and a color version, but you're literally shit, shooting the movie twice. That's correct. Once in English, once in Spanish. It's a bold move considering some of the cast you have, uh, including Marlon Brando, who, if There's you a recall. Good chance. <laughs> There's a good chance we have to ADR Brando's English and Spanish versions. Uh, if you recall from the first episode of the show, where I discussed Marlon Brando's behavior on the set of The Island of Dr. Moreau when he would just speak gibberish to people who spoke different languages. There you go. They'll just give him an earpiece, and he'll still speak gibberish. Yeah. You don't speak German? I thought you spoke German. Well, I'm not sure what you said, sir. (laughs) Uh, So that's it for recasting the movie. So when we come back, we have a six degrees of movie separation. I totally forgot to do it last week. And so we'll do it in just a moment. Okay, we're back on Hobson Box Office Flops, presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com, and uh, this is Six Degrees of Movie Separation. You take two actors, you try and connect them in six movies or less through common films they share with co-stars. So who do you have for me, Irate Lover? All right, since or we... Or Knuckles. Kn- Knuckles and Hunch? Hunch. <laughs> that's the... Uh, <laughs> that's... That's the, uh, since we missed last week, Six Degrees... Hunch gonna, was actually the inspiration for Hitch, just I'm for gonna, the record. It's just a super horny dog version of True. Hitch, just hunching stuff. True. There's a, so since we didn't do one for last week, we did Major League 2. 
I'm going to take uh, the comic relief from that movie and this movie. So we'll do Corbin Burnson, Major League Two, and we'll do uh, Larry Miller from uh, Suburban Commando. I just want you to know you're going to want a do-over. Are they in a fucking movie Because it's together? Corbin Burnson to Bacula in Major League Three, back to ah. the minors, Bacula to Miller, and Necessary Roughness. Okay. I'm very upset. Fine. Never underestimate my knowledge of Scott Bakula. Shelley Duvall to Bokeem Woodbine. Shelley Duvall to Bokeem Woodbine. <laughs> okay. Done. God damn it. Duvall to Nicholson in The Shining. Nicholson to Wahlberg in The Departed. Wahlberg to Woodbine in The Big Hit. You're, just, you're on it tonight. I, I've been sleeping lately. This is not... Oh, kids actually going to bed? Yeah. Fine. All right. These are too easy. I'm going to go the guy that played the mime. Tom Morga. Tom Morga. To. Well, this is tough because I only really have one road. <laughs> I know. And it's through Corey Feldman. We'll do Tom Morga to. Well, you can use this movie if you want. Okay. That's fair. So we'll go Morga. I'm trying to think of someone from Major League 2. All right, Morga to Omar Epps. Morga to Omar Epps. Yeah, okay. Not so cocky now. Uh, that's tough. Yeah. Are you? That one's tough. So to yeah. Omar Epps. You think on it, and I'll give my recommendations for the week. Okay. My recommendations are still to support Adnan Syed, watch the documentary, listen to the Undisclosed podcast. You'll probably want to listen to Serial's first season first and then all of Undisclosed. And if you feel that he did not get a fair trial, or like most people, that he's completely innocent, feel free to support his uh, legal defense fund through uh, Rabia Chaudhry's Patreon that she set up. And um, let's see, I don't think I, I haven't really read anything good or... Okay, I got it. Oh my god! Uh, so if I go Morgan to Christopher Lloyd in Suburban Commando, I go Christopher Lloyd to Raúl Julia in The Adams Family, Raúl Julia to Jean Claude Van Damme in Street Fighter, Van Damme to Schwarzenegger in uh, The Expendables Two, Schwarzenegger to Jesse the Body Ventura in The Running Man, Jesse the Body to Omar Epps in Major League Two. That was seven, but I'll give it to you. Was it? Oh. I don't know. I just want to make you mad. I think it was six. Well played, sir. Let's see. Morga, there's one. Morga to Lloyd. Lloyd to uh, Julia. Julia to Van Damme. Van Damme to Schwarzenegger. Yeah, it's seven. (laughs) Dang. Still, on the fly, that's pretty pretty solid. So, uh, all right. So, you did your recommendation. You want them to rewatch. Watch that again. Or do you have a real recommendation? That, first of all... That well, another real, recommendation. Well, I know. Bitch. You really should watch it. It's very enlightening. And uh, second, don't watch The Nun. I was on HBO Now, and it's really bad. Uh, as far as uh, maybe another media, say like a podcast, there's a really good uh, Masters in Business where, if you don't know, uh, Barry Ritholtz, he writes for Bloomberg and runs a financial planning firm, but he has a podcast called masters in business he interviews a lot of people in finance and just interesting people he had a really good one recently with michael lewis did you just turn something on yeah 
because I got to read the during user my reviews. recommendations. Yeah, you're keep not, going. One, you're not paying attention, and two, you're playing stuff out loud. It's rude, thunder. But he interviews Michael Lewis, uh, you know, big short blindside author, about an upcoming podcast that he has and an upcoming book he has. His book sounds super interesting. It's about the transition that the Trump administration was supposed to go through with all the positions that were held by uh, Obama-like cabinet members and how there was this great plan that this great uh, transition plan laid out by the Obama administration and then it was completely ignored and uh, kind of what the ramifications of that are. So uh, his project sounds super interesting, but just listening to his background and um, where he's at from the beginning of his life to now, just super fascinating. So check that out. It's like an hour, hour and a half, I think. Masters in Business is the name of that podcast. And then it's the interview with Michael Lewis. Should get you hooked. Okay, so I'm going to recommend... I have an, I also have a don't watch this movie. Uh, and then I have a... I think what I'll have next week is The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which is a Coen Brothers film that's on Netflix. But I'm only about half an hour into it, and I really love it so far. And lots of frequent Coen Brothers collaborators. It's an amazing cast to a film. And it's just a lot of fun. It's like this sort of... I was frozen today! Goofy Western... Uh, with separate stories you know it's going from story to story so that's i'll probably i'm sure that's going to be a recommendation next week because i've liked it so far my the movie i recommend you don't watch is the dirt which is about motley Crue, uh directed by jeff tremaine the guy from jackass fame and he's done a couple 30 for 30s uh he was frozen today uh it just wasn't very good uh I think we're going to get into some weird waters with these. Um, Would you stop playing that clip? (laughs) Rude, isn't it? (laughs) I think we're going to get into some weird waters with these musical biopics, and they're going to be of varying degrees of quality. Do you say biopics? I say biopics. I say biopic. Uh, I didn't like Queen, but it was nominated for Best Picture, Bohemian Rhapsody. Like I loved... Uh, Straight Outta Compton The Tupac movie is really bad The Biggie movie was okay And we're just going to get flooded with these things Because that Queen movie blew up And The Dirt was just like a collection of scenes Of them partying It has four different narrators Each being the members of the band I even think like at one point Doc Their manager has like a narration moment It it was just It just was not well thought out And they really do have an awesome story As most bands who were sort of coming up in LA at that time too because they were insane. They were doing they were partying like crazy, but they were also making incredible music for the time. And I just thought a, a better job could have been done with it. <clears throat> I didn't read the book The Dirt, but I'm sure it's better than the film turned out to be, so it just wasn't great. It was not a strong film. So I would recommend not watching that. So as I said last week, I said we'd read some reviews that got submitted five star reviews we actually have seven ratings but only three actual reviews and if you could give us uh reviews recommendations for films you want to see on the pod or here on the pod once again i'd like to say don't that'd be great download this don't rate it don't leave any reviews so first one fun new pod from user prylight the hosts go over movies that bombed the jokes are good and it's fun hearing them banter Was thank that you Say your mom do that? No. Your you think my mom that? has that inventive of a username? Yep. Uh, next user. Dante's Peak. That is all. 
Dante Speaks is the title of the review. <laughs> I think they want us to do Dante's Peak. I think my cousin really likes that movie. Your cousin likes terrible movies. Like, is that bad? What other movie on here did you're like, oh, he loves this movie. He likes The Mask. <laughs> Which one? With Jim, with Jim Carrey. <laughs> Not the one with Cher. <laughs> Which one with one? Eric Stoltz. Okay, which one would be more al- <laughs> which one would be more alarming to you if you liked the one with Cher or the one with Jim Carrey? Well, I don't know. The, isn't the Cher one a decent movie? I can't remember. I haven't seen it in a long time. I just he know. just said he's the Elephant Man, right? Yeah, he randomly dies. I don't know why he dies because I was a kid when I saw it. So, but he dies. Spoiler for the Mask from nineteen ninety four. I just remember the whatever year. The there's a Family Guy bit where. A blind chick is dating Rocky Dennis. I think that's his name. That's his name with a mask, yeah. And then uh, she's rubbing his face and she goes, oh, my God, what is this? Is that your pelvis? <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that. Also, I think Nelly says, my watch has a Rocky Dennis face. Like it has a big face. The watch. <laughs> oh, my God. And last one from Anxiety with a 1-3. A lot of fun listening to some funny reviews. Good stuff, gentlemen. So thank you guys for the reviews. Maybe we will do Dante's Peak because that movie sucks. The fact that it was the post was titled Dante's Peak and the review was just do Dante's Peak, I think we have to. I think uh, it's going to have to happen. So yeah, that's our episode this week. Next week, uh, we come back. We're doing Sudden Death starring Jean-Claude Van Damme, Powers Booth. Uh, and uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, which is always great because they're my favorite hockey team. The playoffs, NHL playoffs, start tomorrow. That's why we're doing that movie. It also did not perform well at the box office and got okay reviews, but not great. It's just another diehard clone, although I think it's fantastic. Uh, any movie where you get Van Damme fist-fighting a uh, terrorist in the Iceberg costume, Iceberg's the Penguins mascot, it, I mean, that's a win-win. Yeah, and I think uh, on whatever website Thunder writes for, if you guys want to leave comments about, uh, or even on the Twitter, I really want to know what people's favorite like coming-of-age teen movies were because I yeah. have... They're usually sappy. Like, they're not great, great movies or anything, but everybody has one that kind of uh, was their childhood or maybe their, their high school years, their formative years, like... Uh, can't hardly wait. Ten things I hate about you. She's all that. She's all that. I a guilty summer pleasure. catch. Sure, let's sure. go. It's baseball season. Guilty pleasure of mine. Uh, Take me home tonight. Take me home tonight is. Uh, we both love that movie, it's, it's and great. it did do well, and it's worthy of being talked about because hopefully then more people would see it. Because I'm not sure how large of an audience it is. Topher Grace wrote it. Did he direct it too? Yes. It's so it's it. so good. It's a homage to the '80s. It's fantastic. You say homage, I say homage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a Suncoast video in it. It's just great. Like yeah. it. It Fogler has a, is his best friend. Good spirit. There's some really funny parts in it. It's just that weird transition of uh, you know graduating from college and trying to figure out what you're going to do with your life. Oh, plus uh, before he became super famous, Andy is in it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Star Lord, Chris Pratt, and Anna Fa- with Anna his Ferris. then uh, his wife at the time, which is weird. She's a brunette, I think, in it. Uh, it's fi- it's really good. So that maybe that's one we do for May. 
yeah after we get past night. mortal Kombat, let's do um let's so do yeah this. the the rest of this month shapes out with mortal Kombat, armageddon the sequel to mortal Kombat, because mortal Kombat 11 comes out in just a couple weeks here and then we'll close out with wildcats which if you've never heard of wildcats it's an 80s football movie oh boy. with a lot of Young stars who went on to have great careers. Oh boy! And hadn't really been a lot. And uh, oh boy, what's her name's the coach? Goldie Hawn is the coach of this football team. It's gonna be an interesting watch. I haven't watched it in a long time, but I think I don't know when it came out, but it feels like Late the Bears 70s? stole the Super Bowl shuffle from the Wildcat song. There could be the other way around. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's got some really awesome stars. You're going to be shocked when you find out who's in that movie. All right, so that's it. So thank you again. You can find me on Twitter at WriterTLK. You can find the show at Hops and B.O. Flops. Always, as always, head to RevengeOfTheFans.com. They've got some great stories up right now. There's also a whole bunch of other great podcasts that that site is producing. So, man, they just did a, I mean, the site had an exclusive on Suicide Squad. They did a whole thing on... Affleck leaving Batman, which, I mean, has been in the works for quite some time, but the whole behind-the-scenes behind it is pretty funny. Uh, yeah, so we'll see you next week. Sudden death. Uh, keep uh, Mike Lang, the voice of the Pittsburgh Penguins, for the last 44 years in your thoughts. He's uh, not doing so well. He's going to miss the first game of the playoffs. Could be a very somber episode for me. I love Mike Lang. I don't want uh, Christopher Lloyd to be the last thing you hear, so just a couple more quick things before we go. Uh, if you love Game of Thrones, be sure to check out revengeofthefans.com. I'll be doing reviews of all the episodes of the final season. Uh, be interesting to see who survives and who winds up on the throne. Maybe they all die. I mean, that'd be fitting for the show, you know, if everybody bit the dust. And also, if you're a reader, I uh, recently went back through my first novel, Masterless Warrior which is available on all ebook formats, that being iBook, and Kindle, and Nook, and made some edits. And it was an interesting process because it's been a number of years since I wrote it, but I'm glad I went back through because there's definitely some things I wanted to fix up and improve upon. So if you're into uh, thrillers, um, sort of action uh, novels, check it out. It's only $2.99. It's available in all those places. I'd love to hear your feedback. And then, of course, next week, we'll be back with Sudden Death. When terrorists take over the igloo, the Civic Arena, a.k.a. the Melon Arena, there's only one man fit for the job, and that's Jean-Claude Van Damme as Darren McCord, the fireman.